Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. My special guest uh, today is Michael Jonathan, a um, multi-talented uh, uh, guy who's now um, officially a part of our Speakers Bureau at Kentucky Humanities, uh, available for, if he's got the time, uh, available for bookings uh, far and near all over. Michael brings his uh, talent as a musician and a storyteller and a playwright and a documentary producer and uh, so many exciting things going on in your life, uh, Michael. We'll talk about all of them. Thanks for being here. Bill, it's an honor to be here. Just to be in the same room with Bill Goodman, I, I would sacrifice <laughs> no, so many other activities far. just to be able to do this with Bill Goodman. Well, you know, it's kind of, um, uh, you're on the other side of the mic, and, yeah. and I get to, to do this, uh, to, that you do to do so many people. You're you're a, an expert interviewer, too. It, it uh, There's a, a certain uh, talent and uh, uh, expertise that it takes. Uh, you've been doing it a long time. Well, uh, this Monday we'll be uh, taping the um, 959th broadcast of Wood Songs. And the one thing that I've learned about talking to others on the air is the value of me shutting up as much as possible. <laughs> you know, if, if more uh, folks on TV or radio or podcasts, for that matter, uh, had learned that earlier in their career, they would have probably been more successful. Well, you know, the, the, I think the audience knows... Like they know who I am, they want to hear who's the artist sure. that's on the show. Yeah. So they don't want to hear me. It can be difficult sometimes drawing people out. Yeah. Artists tend to be very shy, yeah. believe it or not. They're on stage, they're performing, but when you talk to them one on one, like what happens at Wood Songs, every now and then they'll get a little stage fright. Stage. Even big artists become very shy at times. Well, I, I know that's true, and uh, I think sometimes uh, interviewers, hosts. Um, have a tendency to, as we've talked about, uh, talk too much. They also ask questions that are sometimes uh, multi-part. I've always tried to tell students in a class that uh, make it simple. Uh, ask a question and then let the person respond. You know, it's the <laughs> if you watch cable news these days, they, they spend more time talking over top of one another yeah. than they listen. But, you know, on Wood Songs, the saving grace, the... Uh, the trick that we have up our sleeve with, with a lot of these artists is that it, it is an artist-to-artist -artist conversation. So I can delve into the music and the, the, the core of what being a musician is, which really elevates their comfort level, because now I'm talking about something they understand. So whereas most, most interviewers are going to be you know, kind of generic, kind of same old thing. Not that they mean to, but that's just the nature of it. So we get to talk about things that the artist is really interested in, and that usually helps, draws them out. Michael is here for a number of reasons. We're going to learn a little bit about him. Um, uh, he would uh, love to come to your school or a civic organization um, uh, or community event and uh, perform and talk about uh, his craft and his writing and some of the things that that he's involved in. Uh, but we're also going to talk about, um, well, uh, out of our Speakers Bureau description, uh, uh, he helped us uh, put together a little thought or two about front porches and how important they uh, were 
and maybe how important they should be um, again. So we're going to get to that, Michael. Uh, but first of all, just as far as background, uh, who are you? <laughs> Great way to put that. You know, I, I, um, I grew up in New York. Please don't hold that against me. I uh, was, uh, was living along the Hudson Valley in New York, and uh, my neighbor was a wonderful older fella, claimed to be a musician, but he played the banjo, which to young rock and roll New Yorker kids like myself in junior high and high, that if you can't plug it in, it's not a real instrument. So I really didn't know who he was. And then uh, when I graduated high school, I had a chance to go to work at a radio station right on the Mexican border, Laredo, Texas, literally a stone's throw from the Rio Grande. And uh, late one night, I was playing a, a record by Roger McGuinn and the Birds, Turn, Turn, Turn. Remember that? Oh, yeah. To everything, turn, turn, turn. There, and I noticed that it was written by my my crazy banjo-playing neighbor. And I said, oh, that's who Pete Seeger is. <laughs> so <laughs> I called him up, and I said, hey, Pete. I said, it's Michael from next door. I just found out that you're Pete Seeger. <laughs> and there's this long pause, and he goes, well, I have been all my life. <laughs> and I don't know where the idea came from, Bill, but I... When the song ended, I just remember seeing Pete with that banjo, and I, I was like, I want to be a folk singer. I don't know where the thought came from. It was like a musical lightning bolt out of the heavens. And I said, Pete, this is what I'd like to do. I said, but I don't know how. And he said, go to the Appalachian Mountains. Mm -hmm. So I immediately got up out of Laredo, Texas, and I had uh, a friend that took me to visit Apple Shop in Whitesburg. And there was this wonderful film uh, produced by uh, Jim, uh, uh, um, oh God, I cannot remember his name now. Um, he produced this film called Hand Carved, which is about a, a mountain man comes out of his cabin with an ax, goes in the woods, whacks away, and he builds a rocking chair. And I'm sitting there in Apple Shop and realizing that I'm sitting in the chair that I'm watching on that mm. film being made. Mm -hmm. And I want, I said, this is where I need to go. Mm -hmm. And uh, I found a little town called, a little hamlet called Mousy, Kentucky. Oh, yeah. And I said, I want to be Michael Jonathan, the unknown folk singer from Mousy, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And I achieved my dream. <laughs> and you wanted to starve to death. <laughs> well, there's a reason folk rhymes with broke. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I went up and down the hills and hollers with my guitar and banjo for about two years, um, having all these marvelous front porch nannies. People would come out with their guitars and fiddles. And as a kid, they knew I wasn't trying to change anything. I wasn't there to invade. I just loved what they were, the history of what they were doing. And they didn't hold your accent against you? No, no, they did not. They were, the, the, the folks in the Appalachian region of Kentucky are so wonderfully hospitable yeah. Yeah. and kind. And, you know, a lot of times folks have come in from the outside threatening their way of life because they want to change it for the better. Well, those folks know what they're doing. They've been doing it a long time. They don't need people coming in changing things, you know, and I wasn't that. I just was hauling my banjo and my guitar around wanting to learn songs, and they loved that. So, yeah, they, they, uh, they, they were really helpful and kind, and I learned all kinds of songs. Where did that take you? Um, how long did you do that? Well, I did that for about a year and a half and then officially ran out of whatever nickels I had to do that with. And I started singing about the earth and environment in schools. And uh, uh, not to get all corporate or mercenary, but Pepsi found out I was doing that. And they were very interested 
and their cans not being on the side of the road. Mm. And so they said, we'll underwrite your series to the schools if you let us. Mm -hmm. And the agreement was, okay, but your logo is not going to be in the schools. I'm not going to push Pepsi. If you want to, you know, help me get into the schools, it'll be because you're doing it out of concern for the earth. And they agreed. And I did about 4,000 concerts in 14 Mm -hmm. states. Um under their umbrella, with their help. Mm-hmm. I wasn't pushing Pepsi. They were just wanting to get this message sure. into the kids. And uh, so they supported my idea, and I just kept on going from there. Were the 14 states in Appalachia, the region? Mo- from from, uh, from Ohio anymore, to Kansas, yeah. Yeah. Tennessee, okay. North Carolina, West mm-hmm. Virginia, just about every school in Kentucky. The uh, Kentucky Department of Natural Resources got behind what I was doing. Mm-hmm and started writing lesson plans to the concerts I was giving. Mm-hmm. And I think I did over 600 schools just in Kentucky. Do you still uh, travel uh, eastern Kentucky? Uh, my world has changed so much that um, my involvement with East Kentucky now is the development of the Caney Creek motion picture, mm-hmm. um, which is very important to me, the story of Alice Lloyd. But this goes back to what when you were introducing me, the spirit, the idea of what America's front porch is, uh, not the literal front porch, but the emotional one, the, 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 the concept of that, that um, homespun music and neighbors being neighborly with each other, the calmness and the, the generosity of what the front porch represents. And this is all through Appalachia. Is that um, you're you're so well known all over uh, the world for wood songs? Uh, it is broadcast uh, all over the United States, and and you're in um, many many foreign countries. I, mm-hmm. I think you make an announcement every now and then about 177. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. It's, and so. Yeah. Uh, even though they haven't met you or been uh, to the theater to watch you uh, produce, well, I, I wouldn't and... want them to meet me because that would ruin the image. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but uh, the the name Wood Songs is that your name originally? Uh, I was in Homer Ledford's basement. Yeah, in Winchester. And to tell people who Homer Homer Ledford. Ledford. This is home. I wear Homer Ledford's bolo every day. Huh? He was he he was. Not just a magnificent luthier and bluegrass musician, but one of the kindest humblest men I've ever met in my life. And uh, after leaving uh, Mousy, Kentucky, the first place I moved was Winchester, and he became my first friend, mentor, kind of like my uncle that I always wished I had. And I was in his uh, basement workshop where he was making his instruments and dulcimers, and we were talking about songs, and he's working with wood, and we're talking about music, and it's the smell of linseed oil and maple dust and walnut and stuff, and the idea of wood songs mm-hmm. was born in Homer Ledford's basement. Mm-hmm. So I, I, when you listen to the uh, wood songs theme song play on the show, uh, it's a song called Callista's Jam, which is named after Homer's wife, mm-hmm. Callista, and that's him playing the mandolin. Mm-hmm and the fiddle on Callista's Jam on the Wood Songs theme song. So 958 shows ago, uh-huh. uh, where was the first one, and, and uh, uh, how has it grown since then? And, and was the vision that you had in the very beginning pretty much what you're doing today? Uh, the answer to the last question is yes. I started this with a goal of how do I turn this into 
a global multimedia front porch. And we started uh, off-Broadway, a, a very dear friend of mine who's no longer with us, Kevin Johnson, Broadway in Kentucky, um, right next to Jim Host's old office. There was a little cafe called Flag Fork Farm mm -hmm. on Broadway, and behind there was his studio. And it sat maybe a dozen people, and we decided to start the show on a Monday because I was like so many of the other artists. On the weekend, I'm working. And on Mondays, I knew... I knew that most artists are either on their way home or they're in a motel in Peoria desperately waiting for Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And they would kill <laughs> to yeah. do something on a Monday. Mm -hmm. So we started Wood Songs on a Monday in his little recording studio, barely sat a dozen people, and we would be on the phone begging people to show up because I was always afraid of the thunderous sound of one hand clapping <laughs> on this show. Mm -hmm. But people would pack his little studio. Mm -hmm. And that's how we started. Tiny. We had one radio station in Georgetown. At the time, Georgetown Public Radio was a roots mm -hmm. blues station. And uh, they were the only station that we were working with. We used to give them the show on a cassette tape. And they'd have to turn the cassette tape over halfway through the show mm -hmm. to get to the other half. So, so you've been in that little studio. Uh, I know you from uh, being at the Kentucky Theater for so long and now at the Lyric Theater yep. uh, in downtown Lexington. Uh, were there other venues, or, or is that... Well, after the, the, the one on Broadway, Kevin moved his recording studio to Versailles, mm. and that had room for like 75 people, and I was like, Kevin, mm. you know, yeah. on a Monday in Versailles, come on, you know, we'll be fortunate if we have 10. And for seven weeks in a row, his studio packed out. We didn't have enough chairs. I didn't know where these folks were coming from. And then um, we went to the public library, which to me was like an arena. It mm -hmm. fit 135 seats. Mm -hmm. And for 57, 57 weeks in a row, it reserved out. All the seats in the, in the little library theater, mm -hmm. Central Library, downtown Lexington, totally reserved out. Yeah. And I was like, what, what's going yeah. on here? You know? yeah. Well, there's a real hunger for that. And now... Uh, of course, moving to the Kentucky and now the Lyric, you're, you're uh, uh, lucky to get in the door. Uh, well, the, 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 the partnership with the Kentucky Theater was wonderful. Mm -hmm. We were there for almost 10 years. Fred Mills is probably one of the mm -hmm. diamonds of the Kentucky cultural yeah. world. Yeah. And he has preserved and protected that beautiful theater. And we were there for about 10 years. And then uh, they were getting ready to remodel. Mm -hmm. So we had to vacate. And the Lyric Theater heard about it and said, will you please, please consider us? Mm -hmm. And so we went into a, a wonderful partnership with the Lyric. And the Lyric Theater is not just the historic uh, theater of black American artist culture in America. Um, it's also one of the most, most technically set up theaters mm -hmm. in central Kentucky. It has a beautiful lighting system a digital audio system, a television booth, mm -hmm. and guess what Wood Songs is? Mm -hmm. It's all those things. So it's bigger, it's safer for the crew, the mm -hmm. artists love it because there's green rooms. I remember when uh, Nora Jones, yeah. on the heels of her big hit record, mm -hmm. comes on Wood Songs at the uh, Kentucky Theater, and we used to convert a closet into a green room. Mm -hmm. Well, this is Nora Jones, mm -hmm. you know, eight Grammy Awards. Mm -hmm. She comes to the little green room 
And the ladies on the crew work so hard to dress it up with tapestries and lights and flowers and stuff. And she comes in and she looks at the little closet that's her dressing room, all decked out. And without batting an eye, not meaning anything mean, she's just talking out loud. She goes, wow, last time I had a dressing room like this was before I had a record deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So... Yeah. So well, the Lyric well, Theater has been... Nora Jones is one of those uh, better-known uh, performers uh, that you have uh, had on the program. But your your reach is to um, young, not necessarily young, but, but new music, uh, folks who are trying to make it uh, in this uh, world of ours, as we all are at times. Uh, am I correct about that? You, you really want... Uh, talent uh, before uh, they are they know their talent you know that's uh, that's part of the beautiful journey and uh, nothing against corporate radio that serves its purpose but the corporate radio is not an exploration of art it's a manipulation of money I wanted wood songs to be an exploration of art I viewed wood songs as sort of a ship in an ocean of beautiful grassroots music. And, and you know, we invite the audience to come sailing along with us as we discover mm-hmm. things. So, like, you know, we had Chris Thiele and Nickel Creek on before any, nobody knew who they were. Mm-hmm. Jake Shuma Bukaru is one of the standout ukulele players in the world. Mm-hmm. And he was on wood songs before anybody knew who he was. Mm-hmm. In the early days, we had Tommy Emanuel from mm-hmm. Australia. And he now he puts 3,000 people in a theater. He's been on Wood, Wood Songs nine times. He's coming again in February. Mm-hmm. He loves it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they become friends. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's looking at art for art's sake opens more doors. And they're not the only performers on the program because you always uh, participate and you've been uh, uh, writing and, and performing for many, many years. And you just happen to have, gosh, I just noticed you brought your guitar <laughs> to uh, our Think Humanities uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, uh, along the theme of what we're going to talk about next, why, why don't you, t- do you have something you could do as far as a, a little introduction uh, and, and sort of get us in the 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 thought process of sure. uh, of the front porch and and what it means uh, and should mean well you know uh, being part of your uh, speakers bureau program you know that's what we're offering folks is a look at their communities their homes their schools their families their children and the importance of loving home again there's an old Yugoslav saying that if everybody in the world simply took care of their own homes you wouldn't have to worry about the world anymore in the 60s, that became a bumper sticker, think globally, act locally. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Kentucky is one of the most passionate front porch home states in the nation. Um, they don't even build front porches on new homes anymore, which is a shame. You know, the great feng shui welcome to your friends and neighbors now is your garage door. <laughs> that's that's what welcomes your, your, your families. And so... Uh, the, we've already had over a dozen invitations to speak about this from the Speakers Bureau Great. Uh, program that you have. Yeah. And this is one of the songs that, you know, it's a, it's a speaking lecture and music concert all in one. But here's a song about uh, the, three, the three ideas of the front porch, the literal on your home, the emotional front porch when you find the love of your life, 
and then something that in the political climate we're in now, something that we uh, desperately need is a front porch between nations. There's a front porch round the old home place All my troubles disappear without a trace And children play all summer long The world feels right like nothing's wrong Fireflies dance on a starry night Round the old front porch tonight Round the old front porch tonight There's a front porch round my true love's eyes I could sit and watch that girl all my life And in her eyes this world feels right And she's a gentle and such a peaceful sight And since the day that girl became my wife I've had a front porch around my life I've had a front porch around my life We need a front porch round the world We need a front porch round America We gotta slow it down and learn to set a spell Start serving lemonade instead of hell I wish these leaders would outlaw fear they'd lead from a rocking chair we need a front porch round the world we need a front porch round the world we need a front porch round this world That's beautiful, Michael, Thank you. and um, it's so true. Whether you wrote these uh, words um, in your description of what you're doing for Kentucky Humanities in the Speakers Bureau or whether they were crafted by uh, someone else or massaged a little bit about uh, by our editor who puts the words on the page in your I'll description. I'll give credit to your editor. <laughs> well, it's beautiful, and, and uh, she did a wonderful job, and let me just read that. Uh, the emotional horizon. I love that 
phrase there. Uh, the emotional horizon over America has changed so much in the past 10 years. Anger, guns, school violence, and stress seem to permeate everything. Once upon a time, the front porch was the great pulpit, the community stage for families and hometowns. As you said a minute ago, these days they don't even build front porches on homes anymore. How do we get the front porch spirit back into our communities? And I thought that um, this time of year, when we are in a celebratory mood, uh, uh, some uh, read into that spiritual, some read into that uh, families uh, who are together, uh, some uh, are reflecting on their blessings, but there are many others who are struggling and hurting, and maybe it's the saddest time in their life. And I, I thought, um, and you and I talked on the telephone uh, yesterday about uh, about what's missing here and and what we should uh, what we should think about for just a few days uh, during the holidays to um, to maybe put a front porch around all of us mm -hmm. in a very special way. You know, you're uh, you and Kentucky Humanities. You're the uh, the gateway, the caretaker of the uh, Kentucky uh, tradition and legacy. And the one thing that I notice families in Kentucky and communities in Kentucky, especially the smaller towns, the thing that the, they have, the glue that holds it all together, and this is true all over America, I think, my opinion, um, the one word answer is love, love for your family, love for your home, love for your earth, love for the life this earth gives you and the community that you are part of on this earth. Love it. If you love your home, you're not going to throw litter on the ground. You're not going to pollute your water. You're not going to fight with your neighbors. Um, if you love your hometown, you're going to want to fix it up. You're going to want to support your hometown businesses and your neighbors. You'll be supportive of the artists. You know, the glue that holds the world of arts together is love. It's not marketing and record labels and agents and stuff. Love. Love is what nobody in the history of music ever bought an album because it said RCA Records. They bought it because they love Elvis. They could care less if, if Elvis was selling it out of the trunk of his car, right? He didn't need a record label. If they love Elvis, they're going to get his record. That love is what is missing, I think, in our world right now. In a very... Um particular way uh, we have just uh, witnessed uh, the passing of uh, a great uh, man uh, George Herbert Walker Bush and I think for just a few days uh, uh, the week that we're recording this we saw uh, felt heard an outpouring of uh, love for him and for the love he had for so many others whether they were a small child in a foreign country battling leukemia, uh, which uh, took his uh, small daughter uh, away from uh, he and Barbara. Yeah. Uh, whether it was a, a, a son uh, or a best friend expressing their love for, for President Bush. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, I found myself uh, being, being very optimistic uh, about where we are today 
because uh, we weren't talking and, and focusing on violence or anger. We were, we were celebrating and lifting up an example of what we can all be or at least aspire to be. And, and uh, that is uh, a wonderful uh, human being who, who loved so many things and so many people. Yeah, no, and when you and you have to put politics aside mm-hmm. to understand that. Mm-hmm. And I think what I learned from the passing of George Bush and the events around his passing is that all the strife and stress and anger and arguing that happened while he was alive no longer mattered to anybody when he passed. Mm-hmm. What mattered was that he loved Barbara, mm-hmm. he loved his family, he was a loyal friend, he loved to write letters to encourage people, he liked to set a good example. The politics that led him to that position no longer mattered when he passed. And probably the most moving thing that I saw was when his son, the other President Bush, was giving the eulogy, the last 30 seconds, when he talked about a wonderful father he was, and he got all choked up. Yeah. Um, he almost made it through that. Well, you know, you can't act. But that was okay. You can't act that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's love. That's yeah. this, he loved his dad. My dad died five days before I was born. I will mm-hmm. never know that connection. Mm-hmm. I will never have that connection. Mm-hmm. And to see that, you can't fake love. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we need to start as a people reevaluating the value of that four-letter word. We're so busy using other four-letter words. The one that we don't use very much is love, yeah. and I think we have to start. You know, I, I, after we had decided to do this uh, uh, taping, um, and then it was in uh, President um, uh, George W. Bush's uh, eulogy to his father, and it wasn't the front porch but the back porch when he said that one of his most favorite things to do later in his life is to sit out on the back porch mm-hmm. and and cast his eyes uh, over the Atlantic uh, Ocean and just uh, just be there. And um, I think you you've you've uh, hit on something. I think that uh, the front porch movement uh, should be something that we should all be interested in in promoting and suggesting. I mean that's where. That's where love happens. That's where conversations begin. That's mm-hmm. where uh, problems are addressed. That's where people come together. Well, the front porch was always the symbolic greatest stage in America. It's where neighbors came together to um, discuss and argue in a good way, to play music, um, to just sit and be with each other. Um, that calmness of community left us when they invented air conditioning and television mm-hmm. and everybody went inside mm-hmm. you know they left the front porch now they don't build front porches on new homes anymore isn't that a shame homes are built out of the convenience for the person building the home not for the people who are going to live in it it's built for the folks constructing it and that's why new houses are 10 feet away from each other. And the big entranceway is the thing you leave by, your garage door. There's no setting for neighbors to get together. There's no porches. There's no room for anything. And folks are spending $175,000, $250,000 for these boxes, these stamp play-by-the-number boxes. That's not home. It's a place to live. It's not home. 
and and I think America needs its home again. When uh, in Kentucky, where our our deepest thoughts are, uh, because we're here, can we um, can we reinvent? Can we uh, once again uh, recapture? Can we? embrace uh, a front porch movement here that uh, in some way is not necessarily, it's not a kumbaya a moment, it's not bringing people together, uh, but a way to um, have people, uh, have communities um, thoughtful and, and kinder than, than we maybe have been in the last decade or two. Uh, the answer is yes. Absolutely. And it's already underway. If the listeners of your podcast go online to songfarmers.org, we've already started that front porch movement. There's hundreds of members nationwide already. There's 52 active song farmers chapters. Lexington has one of the biggest ones. There's about a dozen all through Kentucky. And this is where folks use music to gather their friends and neighbors together. A lot of the public libraries in Kentucky, Georgetown, Berea, Lexington, Louisville, um, uh, uh, Richmond, they all have song farmers chapters from Hawaii to Vermont to the Virgin Islands. And it's growing really fast. And what happens uh, on these front porches or on these song farms? You know, uh, any place can be a front porch in my world. And what it's just a, a, a musician says, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get a record deal. I'm not going to get signed by a booking agent, but I love music. And so you, we change their direction from money and a career to love and community. And these musicians gather their, their friends. They invite their friends to come to sit in a big circle, and you all sing the same songs at the same time together. Mm-hmm. And it's fun, mm-hmm. and it's no stress, and it's beginners and... And, and, and professionals and everybody's together. Little tiny teleco planes, teeny tiny peanut of a Tennessee town has over 200 showing up at their song farmer gatherings. Cabot, Arkansas is another tiny little town and they're having 150, 200 showing up at these little song farmer gatherings. Mm-hmm. Here in Lexington at the Central Library, they have it once a month. And they're, they're having upwards of 100 packing in that area mm-hmm. of the Central Library. And it just shows the hunger of people wanting to be together for something good. Mm-hmm. Money doesn't have to be involved. Mm-hmm. Love will drive it. And... Um, so I wanted to start something that would give these musicians a way to do that. But here in Kentucky, the tradition of Kentucky heritage is for people to come together, is for neighbors to come together. That spiritual front porch is embedded in the DNA of what it means to be part of Appalachia and Kentucky, whether it's Owensboro or Mousy, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And uh, it connects immediately with people because... Music and musicians are the greatest peacekeeping force in history. And the reason, and this is for all you musicians out there, your three chords in the truth makes people stop and listen. And people who stop and listen are physically incapable of fighting while they're listening. And musicians are the greatest peacekeeping force in the world because they get people to stop and listen. And that immediately stops fighting. 
Do you have another one in you this morning? We'll we'll let you take us out with one more, and sure. uh, we're getting the harmonica out, which is going to be pretty cool. We'll and, see. Uh, Severe chap lips this morning. We'll see how the harmonica rips me up. Yeah. <laughs> this is a brand new song, and we were talking yeah. about something that applies. Let me try this out for you, okay? Okay. It's called Something Wrong. It's not a negative song. Just hang with it, okay? There's something very wrong with this world Something so wrong with this world There's an air of discontent I've never seen before What's wrong with all these people? Why can't they get along? There's something wrong with this world Now there's something very strange going on Something so strange going on I sense a lot of danger from people I don't know Dark clouds of anger wherever now you go There's something strange going on so long ago people knew their neighbors and they watched each other's homes neighbors are now strangers we don't want to know there's something wrong with this world now I believe that people and hope that comes with peace now the dream seems so out of reach cause there's something wrong sunrise coming our way a sunrise heading our way for I believe that evil is not here to stay love and human kindness is a much better way there's a sunrise heading our way like a paradise heading our way
Michael Jonathan of the Kentucky Humanities Speakers Bureau and uh, Wood Songs and so many other things. Uh, thank you so very, very much for being our guest. It's an honor to be here, Bill, and thank you for all that you do for Kentucky and for hometowns and front porches everywhere. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. SoundCloud.